0: All right we are in <clears throat> Romans chapter chapter two. <clears throat> we started reading, we covered uh, verse one uh, verse one through through four last time. <clears throat> but let's pick it up again in, in, in verse four, but let me just mention that what, what Paul is doing here is he's, he's speaking in, a, in what's called a diatribe fashion where he takes an, Im- an imaginary, uh, critic, he puts words in his mouth, and then he answers that. <clears throat> so he's, he's so. For example, uh, uh, he says in verse three, "But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God?" So that's that diatribe fashion of of giving an argument. <clears throat> so in verse four, "Or do you think lightly?" of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, so that those Who are by perseverance in doing, those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor, immortality and eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Okay, so we'll stop there. Uh, let, me, <clears throat> let me go back and review this other verse that we had talked about uh, uh, before. Because I, I really want to keep this in our mind. In, in Isaiah... Isaiah chapter 55, verse 89, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God does not think the same way that we do. So if we say, well, I can't believe that God would do that, remember, that is a wrong attitude. God does what he wants to do. He's right. Our ways are corrupt. And, uh, he thinks differently than we do, so we can't, we can't put him into the box of our own rationalization. <clears throat> he is who he is. And sometimes, sometimes there, there is, there are delays, there are delays on judgment, and it causes people to do more wrong. So in, Ecclesi- in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11, it says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, Therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. So often when the sentence doesn't come, so it's not like we commit a sin and then all of a sudden, you know, there's this bolt of lightning that just comes down. But because there's often a delay, it actually causes us <clears throat> to do more evil. So that can happen. So he says in verse, in verse four, he said, in, in verse, uh, four, he talks about how We covered a lot of this last time. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? This is all because of His kindness. His kindness is what leads us to repentance. His kindness is the thing that does this for us. It's the kindness of God that leads us into repentance. And He talks about this that this love that He has for us. So for example, in Romans six twenty three, I want you to realize that any good thing that God has for us comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is just funneled through his Son. And in, in uh, uh Romans six twenty three it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything comes through Jesus Christ. It is a free gift of eternal life. How does that come? Through Jesus Christ. His kindness comes through His Son. His kindness is just embodied in His Son over and over again. <clears throat> in, in Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is the one who paves the way for all of this. Everything comes through Jesus. So let's look now at verse 5. Verse 5. But because of your stubbornness, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness, righteous judgment of God. Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart. So remember, He is talking here to the cultured Greek or to the cultured Gentile. The word Greek, the term Greek and Gentile are often used synonymously by Paul. He was first speaking to the barbarian or to the uncultured Gentile in chapter 1. And now in the beginning of chapter 2, he is speaking to the cultured Gentile. Uh, And they were judging the uncultured, yes, saying they they kind of deserve this. And then Paul, as we looked at last time, is saying, no, you guys are guilty too. But you see that he says in verse 5, Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. You're storing it up. Some some texts say you are treasuring it. You're storing it up. God hasn't executed the wrath, but it's just being piled up there. That's what's going into your account. Wrath is being stored up because of what? Because of a stubbornness and an unrepentant heart. Stubbornness and an unrepentant heart. When we fail to repent, it is a very dangerous thing. And this is what we call people to do. And this is what we have to call ourselves to do. To turn. To turn. This idea of repentance is not to just say, not to just stop, but it's to stop and go the other direction. Repentance is turning. It is a turning away from. Uh, uh, the, the, um, hey, Mike, I think that your, your, your speaker, your microphone is on. And so, Mike, I think you want to cut your own microphone off. Thank you. Um, so, so, um, what happens is, is that, is that, uh, um, there's this turning. In, in Hebrew, it, it's this term teshuvah, where we turn. It's in in uh, in the New Testament, it's used this word uh, repentance to turn away from, to turn away from what we were doing to something new. And this whole thing of of uh, uh, God's wrath again. This is something that in our own mind we think, well, you know, God God wouldn't really do that. Remember, His ways are not our ways, and this is really quite clear. So, if you look, for example, in uh, in in uh, the Gospel according to John the gospel according to john chapter 3 john chapter 3 verse 18 i'm reading in the king james <clears throat> he says he that believeth on him is not is not condemned this is john 318 he that believeth on him meaning jesus is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god so he that believes in him <clears throat> is not condemned he who does not believe <clears throat> is condemned already. John three thirty six. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And that he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. These are very strong words. If you don't believe in the Son, the wrath of God be- abides on you. So it, it's, a, it's a very strong thing when he says, <clears throat> when you don't repent, when you don't turn, it is a dangerous thing. You're storing up wrath for yourself. But then he goes on in verse 6. Who will render to each person according to his deeds. Who will render to each person according to his deeds. This does not mean that we get salvation according to our works. Believers, people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ... We are not judged according to our works. We are saved based on the work of Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross and his resurrection. But we are rewarded according to our works. We are absolutely rewarded in heaven according to our works. Absolutely rewarded according to our works. The unbeliever is judged according to their works. The unbeliever is judged according to their works. And Paul will flesh this thing out. In the book of Romans, the unbeliever is going to be judged according to their works. The believer is not going to be judged according to their works, but they will receive reward according to their works. This whole idea, he who renders to each person according to his deeds, because for the believer, our deeds testify that we are believers. Our deeds bear witness to the fact that we are believers. This is something that we are called to. We are called to good deeds. So if you look in Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Paul tells us, Do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul says to us, do not lose heart in doing good. You do good, you do good, you do good deeds for the rest of your life. For as long as you're able, you do good deeds. In due time, <clears throat> you will reap if you do not grow weary. Just as they were, they can stack up wrath, it just piles up for them. As believers, we can stack up blessings upon blessings that God is going to reward us with in the future, but he also stacks up a lot for us on earth because of good deeds. So then, while we have the opportunity, you will not always have the strength for good deeds. While you have the opportunity, while your strength is with you, uh, if you watch people... <clears throat> my, Excuse me. My dad was very active. I I used to work in his store when I was 13 years old. I used to work in his drug store. And my dad was in his 30s at the time. He was like lightning. He would just walk back and forth so fast going a million miles an hour. The guy was very high energy. Now he's 92. And it takes him a while just to get up out of his chair. So while you have opportunity, while you have strength, you be about your good works. Um, uh, so then, while you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Jesus talked about this same thing. <clears throat> Jesus spoke about this in in the book of Matthew. in In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you give to the poor, do not let... Your left hand know what your right hand is doing. How, how can that be? <clears throat> how can my left hand know, not know what my right hand is doing? And I'll tell you how. You give so much, you lose track. <laughs> did, did, did I give that to him? You just lose track of it. <clears throat> What's interesting about this is this thought. To a person who gives a little, just gives a little, they remember that forever. I, I... I gave to that guy four years ago, I gave him five dollars. He'll always remember that. But to the person who's giving all the time, you just forget. You just forget. You give so often you just can't keep track of it anymore. That's the state we're supposed to be in. This is a beautiful thing for a family. A beautiful thing for a family. When you are single, you should be serving and serving and serving. When you're young, you should be doing things that are commensurate with being young. The first service that it ever mentions for young men in the church was burying dead bodies. It says the young men carried out the body of of, uh, Ananias and Sapphira and they buried them. That was the first job. Why did they have the young men do that? Because young men are bigger, better at digging holes in the ground than our older people. Young men are better at carrying baggage and moving big items than our younger people. And there will come a day when carrying baggage that is 50 pounds is much harder for you than it is now. So in this, you serve in that way. You serve commensurate, with with your abilities, with that stage in your life. You serve and you serve and you give and you give. <clears throat> then what happens is, I want you to do this. So if, if you're not married, this is how you can find a good spouse. All right? You watch for those who are serving. You keep your eye out for those who are serving. So young ladies, when you see a young man who is serving... Who works with the church, with the youth, who is, you know, doing upward basketball, who is helping out with vacation Bible school, who's setting up tables and setting up chairs. Not once, but you see them week after week doing that. That would make a good husband. How do I know? Because they are selfless. People who are selfless are much easier to be married to than people who are selfish. Much easier. Young men, you keep an eye out for the women who are serving. And, and so many people have met their spouses in my home. And, and, uh, uh, and I've told them this. And, you know, I have numerous examples where young men have seen women serving in our home, doing dishes, serving food and serving things and being active in service. And they see that. And that's exactly what they should be looking for. You look for women who are serving. My heart just started pounding. When I first saw Shireen and I, when I first noticed her, you know, I had seen her, I noticed her because she was in the kitchen doing dishes in my, in, I lived in a discipleship home with nine other Christian guys. Her family came over for lunch because the church had fellowship meals. It was a small church after church and, and, uh, uh, every, Whenever there was a fifth Sunday of the month, we didn't have fellowship meals, but her family didn't realize that, so they brought all this food for the fellowship meal. So we being college guys never had enough food, and so we invited them to our home, which was not far from the church. You can bring that food over our home. So we had lunch with her family. It was my job to do dishes that summer, in the discipleship house. So I went into the kitchen to do the dishes, and she was already in there doing the dishes. And I said to her, you can go, it's my job to do the dishes. And she said, oh, I like doing dishes. And it was like Popeye's heart. Boom! Boom! It's just, a young lady likes doing dishes? And, and, uh, I said, okay, I'll, I'll dry. And so it was that, in that time that we, we started that, that I first started talking to her and I said, you, you like doing housework? She says, oh yeah, I, I like to vacuum. I don't even like to see my brothers use a vacuum cleaner. I just take it from them and do it. I'm like, oh really? <laughs> this would be wonderful. And, and uh, so when you see people serving, it really means something. <clears throat> he says, <clears throat> who will render to each person according to their deeds. And you can have family ministry in service. Family ministry in service. You know, when when this pandemic hit, as you know, we had people into our home every week. And Shireen was used to having people into our home for over 20 years. We've been doing this every week and all these students in our home. And all of a sudden we got to close up house and we, we can't do this. And so Shireen was climbing the walls. And so she started curbside pickup before curbside pickup was a thing. I mean, like within last March, in March of 2020, she had already begun cooking and doing curbside pickup and having guys pick up the food and start delivering it to people. That's what she was doing. Just couldn't keep her down. And so I would teach the, the Bible study by Zoom. And then, then I'd go in the kitchen and I'd help her because she didn't have all her helpers anymore. And, you know, we don't have enough big ovens to cook the big meals in our home like we, we cook at the church. But uh, um, but she would cook what she could cook. And, you know, it started that she would start preparing 12 meals a week. And then it went to 20 meals a week. And, and the guys would come and pick them up. And Jonathan and uh, Fergie would come and pick them up and deliver them to people. Others would come to the house and pick them up. And so I'd go in the kitchen. We'd be doing this together. And so I'd tell Shireen what to do, and she'd like roll her eyes, like she needs my instruction in the kitchen. But you know, it was important that I just pointed some things out, just to, you know, I was working behind the scenes, just to make things go well. But you know, I'd put the desserts in the little baggies and things and pack them up. You do ministry together. It is a beautiful thing, and you end up, you just, you just want to serve together. And you grow together doing ministry. This is what you do. And it makes for a much happier marriage. This is what you want to look at. You want to keep an eye out for people who are serving in the body of Christ. Please don't make the mistake of marrying somebody who is not a servant. Because they're not going to be active in that marriage. You want to look for people who are servants. And, and this is a, a way that you can, you can really be blessed. I wanna, I wanna read you a couple of things. Uh, this is, this is reading from Rebecca McLaughlin's book, um, uh, uh, um, Confronting Christianity. And it says this, is it really more blessed to give than to receive? In our, uh, a, In our culture, the biblical demand that Christians serve and give others, and give to others feels out of joint. The claim is, quote, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20 verse 35. That cuts against the grain of our individualized, success-focused mindset. But a growing body of research suggests that giving is good for us. And now she lists out sentence after sentence with references for, for each one of these things. Volunteering has a positive impact on our mental health and physical health. Actively caring for others often yields greater physical and psychological benefits than being cared for. Helping others in the workplace seems to improve career satisfaction, and financial generosity has psychological payoffs. More. Many non-religious people are passionately engaged in serving and giving, while many Christians live self-centered lives. But as atheist social psychologist Jonathan Haidt observes, quote, Surveys have long shown that religious believers in the United States are happier, healthier, longer-lived, more generous to charity to each other, uh, more generous to charity and to each other than our secular people. Religious believers give more money than secular folks to secular charities and to their neighbors. They give more of their time and of their blood. So, these these are, are, are some of the things. Now, let, let me read you another thing. So, this is, again, quoting from her book, and she's quoting from a New York Times article, op-ed. In a New York Times op-ed entitled, Evangelicals Without the Blowhards, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and human rights activist, Nicholas Kristof writes, quote, Go to the front lines, at home or abroad, in the battles against hunger, malaria, prison rape, obstetric fistula, human trafficking or genocide. And some of the bravest people you meet are evangelical Christians or conservative Catholics, similar in many ways, who truly live their faith. So you see that that the world does recognize these things. The world (coughs) does recognize service. This is what we are to be about. So when he says, who will render (coughs) to each person according to their work, This is what he's talking about, that we will have this attitude of service. Let's move to Romans chapter 2, verse 7. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. So look what he says in verse 7. He says, if you have the right attitude in your service, if you have the right attitude, to those who by perseverance in doing good, you persevere in doing good. It is not a single time act. It is a perseverance in doing good. I want to do good. I want to do good. You know, just on Friday night, um, uh, Shereen and I had dinner together and then she was packing up a bunch of bags and I knew where she was going. She was going to deliver food to people. So she goes to widows and different things and she delivers food to people. And, and uh, she was packing up these bags to go and deliver. I said, I've got to be on a 7 o'clock call. i got a Zoom call. I'm going to be sharing the Lord with some guy. And, you know, I just sat back and I reflected. What bliss. What a family. That I am so excited about going on a Zoom call and sharing the gospel with some guy. And she is so excited about packing up a few meals and dropping it off at people's homes. This is what Christian life is all about. It is service. She's fulfilled, you know, hopping in her SUV and driving all here and there and dropping off meals. And I'm fulfilled just sharing the gospel. If I'm sharing the gospel, to me, that is a labor of love. And what I invite you to do is try enough different things that you learn what you really enjoy doing. If it's your area, area of gifting, you'll really enjoy it. Some people love to work in the church nursery. I mean, to me, that would be a visit to hell. I would hate working in a church nursery and changing some other people's kids' diapers. I mean, that's not what I want to do. But for some people, they like that. And and uh, you find out where your area is, what you enjoy. And generally, when it's your area of service, you end up enjoying it. And this is Christian life. And it brings down blessing, blessing, blessing upon your home. It will pour out into your lap, overflowing, overflowing. And you look up to heaven. And sometimes I think, Lord, do you have any time for anyone else? Because it's it's like you're constantly blessing me. It's like he's focused totally on me. And this is what it says. He says, To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life. I mean, he's just stacking up all these things for them. But to those who are selfishly ambitious, when you're doing just things for yourself, when you're selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. You're piling it up. It's going to come flowing into your lap. It is hard. It is hard to to, to, to kick against the goads, as the scriptures say, as Jesus said to Paul. It is hard to oppose God. <clears throat> You're going to have a hard life. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man that does evil. For the Jew first and also to the Greek. You, you You were wondering about the blessing, how come it came to the Jew first? Well, the cursing comes to the Jew first also. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. So you see, there is blessing, blessing, blessing upon earth. Blessing upon earth and blessing in heaven. You just stack up blessing when you have a life of service. If I could encourage you, you have a life of service. Now, where serving can really get to overwhelm you is when you start doing it in the flesh if you don't have a regular time with God every day every day serving will really wipe you out because to me ultimately I do my service as unto the Lord I just envision this is my servant to the my service to the Lord Jesus because many people that you will serve will never show any appreciation for it and it'll wear you out but as you learn that you are serving Him who gave Himself for you, then and it's like, Lord Jesus, this is for you. Lord Jesus, I'm sharing with this person for your sake. Lord Jesus, I am doing this for your sake. Paul said, I would gladly spend and be expended for your souls. I mean, I will gladly spend and be expended for your souls, Paul said. Because to him it was a service to the Lord. I will gladly spend my money and be expended for my Lord Jesus. For him who gave himself for me. And then it, it, it casts this in such a way that it doesn't wear you out. Because you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ and he sees everything. And he's just stacking up blessing. There is great reward. You will be rewarded for your deeds. Who will render to each person according to his deeds. He'll render to each person according to their deeds. This is what He will do. God does this. He is so magnificent. Everything is in Jesus. Everything we have is embodied in Jesus. Anything good, it's in Jesus. I want you to turn to, uh, to, to John. The Gospel according to John. We're just going to kind of wrap up on this thought. It's a beautiful thought. In John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. This is something you really remember. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Everything, everything has come into being through Jesus who's called the Word, the Word of God. And then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So there was Jesus as the Word, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And now I want you to turn to another passage. I want you to turn to the, the book of First John, the epistle of John. First John chapter 1. Chapter one again, not John chapter one, but first John chapter one, and again verses one through three. First John one verses one through three. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This is John speaking. He says, look, we saw Jesus. We heard him. We touched him with our hands. Verse 2, And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That means that life was with the Father and then it was manifested to us. Jesus became flesh right in front of us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So he says, what we have seen and heard, this very one whom we saw, we heard, we touched. He says, what we've seen, we heard, we proclaim this to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, I have fellowship with the Father and with His Son. You can join us. You can join us in this fellowship with His Father and with the Son. And then we'll close with this verse, John fourteen twenty three, on the same thought. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Who's the we? That's Jesus and his Father. You will have fellowship with Jesus and his Father. Fellowship with them. As John was talking about in his epistle. That word, that word through whom the entire universe was created... That word became flesh. John said, I heard Him, I spoke with Him, I saw Him, I touched Him, and I still have fellowship with His Father and with Him. And you can have fellowship with us too. And Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 14, verse 23. You keep My word, you keep My word, you're going to have fellowship with Me and with My Father. We will come and we will make our abode with you. We will live right within you. It is a beautiful thing to serve the Lord. When we serve the Lord, there is so much blessing. And it is an outgrowth, an expression of our salvation. Surely, we can refrain from serving. We can do that. Many people do. But they miss out on the blessing. The blessing comes in service. It'll wear you out if you do not have a personal time of fellowship with Jesus. To the point where you realize that all this I do for my Lord. Whether these people appreciate it or not. Whether these kids appreciate it or not. My Lord appreciates it. And it's Him whom I serve. It is Him. It is for this reason that I do this. And it's for this reason that Christians are so fearless Like this writer in the op-ed in the New York Times, this activist uh, Pulitzer Prize winning writer wrote, they are on the front lines, the most fearless people, they are on the front lines, whether it's in human trafficking, whether it's in medical missions, they are there. They are there. What makes you fearless when you believe that I am serving my Lord, Him who controls all things and it makes you fearless? And... I've seen this in my own life with my own family members that are unbelievers, where they will try to discourage us from doing certain things. That's dangerous. Why are you going there? Why are you sending your kids there? Isn't it dangerous to live there? Life is dangerous. But when you live with the Lord, I mean, your life is in His hands. It changes everything. It changes everything. You learn to serve Him. That's what it's all about. That's what we're reading here. It's service to our Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are wonderful in every way. There is judgment for all those who will not receive you. And Father, I pray for the unbelievers that are here, that they would turn their hearts to you and receive Jesus, receive him. Because if they do not receive him, they are condemned already. Father, I pray that they'd open their hearts to receive Jesus because he is so good and kind and gracious. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the joy of serving you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in obedience to you, you come with your Father and make your abode with us. And we can have fellowship with you and with your Father. Just as John spoke about, we can have fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for the believers who are here that they would first of all have daily time with you and that they would be active in service because in service I know that they will be fulfilled. Father, I pray that they would be active in service and then seeing blessings poured out upon their lives, blessings upon blessings poured out upon their lives. Glory be to our Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. All good gifts come from you, Lord Jesus. Everything comes embodied in our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that is good. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.